the interviews. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to a fantastic interviewer, Steve Brittenham, on Hollywood and Beyond. Wowie Zowie Citizens to the Batmobile. Carrie Mitchum. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. You can contact host Stephen Brittingham anytime by email. Send your thoughts or feedback to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. And now, here's your host, Stephen Brittingham. Welcome, friends and listeners, to another episode of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham, who just happens to be me your host. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, thanks so much for all of your awesome and wonderful support. I deeply appreciate it. My special guest today on the podcast is Jasper Cole. Featuring a career that extends decades, this veteran actor has over 100 and counting film and television credits. Very impressive career. This includes portraying Corey Black over on BET's The Family Business opposite Ernie Hudson, The Purge, Anarchy, Westworld, American Horror Story, The Forgotten with Christian Slater, Everybody Hates Chris, even Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. He has even appeared in several comedy sketches with Jay Leno on The Tonight Show. Well, as I just said earlier, very impressive credentials. Jasper was also awarded Best Screen Villain by the International Nollywood Film Festival in 2019. And let me tell you, villainy is a common overlapping theme throughout Jasper's career. I'm looking forward to uh, discussing that with him in greater detail. Commercials, theater credits, the list literally goes on and on. And Jasper also is the host of One on One with Jasper Cole. This is a podcast that I appeared on as a guest back in April of 2021. And uh, it was an honor to be on his show uh, he and his co-host, Ralph Cool treated me so warmly, and I really, really appreciate it. Had a great time. Now it is my turn to return the favor. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond, Jasper Cole. Oh, thank you so much. I'm listening to this great intro, and I'm like, well, let's see. I'm going to roll up in my walker and wheelchair because I hear <laughs> veteran, decades, character actor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I I go, who is that? Who's he talking about? <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Yes, you have been uh, doing this uh, for quite a while, haven't you? Uh, well, it seems like I have. You know, it's funny. I guess we all look, time flies, right, when you're having fun. But yes. um, yeah, I'm very grateful. Listen, uh, it beats the alternative. So I'm very happy to still be in the game and, you know, Looking back on, yeah, I, I you know, I, I tend to preach to the, to the youngins I talk about on the set now, like try to enjoy that journey and enjoy these moments along the way so you can like really be present and, you know, enjoy it. Because I think as actors, we're sometimes just always trying to get to the next job and that whole phrase about when I make it, you know, that's a real pet peeve of mine because I've learned now that we were sort of, we're all kind of making it as it's happening. And we don't quite realize that sometimes we're waiting for this. I don't know that one big job or that one big thing. And, or they call it the break, you know, leading to the breakdown. No, I'm kidding. But, um, (laughs) it's just all part of the journey. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you. And yes, Ralph and I had a great time having you on our show and I'm so excited for your success and yeah, just happy to be here. 
Well, thank you so much. Uh, all of that was well said, and that is wonderful perspective. And uh, yes, I, I just had such a great time on your show, and uh, thank you so much for that opportunity. And I'm excited to be speaking with you again. It's so nice to be speaking with you again. So thank you for visiting me here today. I hope you will enjoy being a guest on Hollywood and Beyond. And how have you been overall since we last talked? Well, thank you. Um, it's been good. You know, it's been good. Yeah, we talked right in the the middle of the, uh, well, we're still in a pandemic. You know, there's been different phases of it. But I would say yes. at that time, we were right in the middle of the Delta surge. And um, But, you know, uh, it's been it's been okay. I mean, you know, I, I think we've, my industry has learned how to <clears throat> pivot and go back to work and try to keep everyone safe. And, um, so that's been a blessing and I've been able to work during the pandemic and, um, just trying to take it day by day. But yeah, so, so far, knock on wood, you know, got my vaccines and the booster and I'm one of those people I, you know, I'll take a shot every month if I have to. I'm fine with that. So <clears throat> whatever science says. But yeah, it's been um it's been good. I'm just taking it day by day. And how about how about you? Everything good on your end? Everything's good over here. Um of, of course I'm vaccinated as well and and I still remain very cautious and I'm always washing my hands and making sure, you know, I wear my masks when I'm at the grocery store or, or somewhere around a lot of people. And, uh, but you're right, Jasper. We've seen things go in a different direction since we've last talked. It seems like every few months there's maybe a few curves along the way. Uh, right. I was a guest back in April of 2021, and most definitely a lot has happened even since then. But one thing that has happened, Jasper, you kind of touched on it, is that is the industry overall has been having uh, a bit of a recovery period. You know, we're seeing mm -hmm. more production uh, reoccurring and new projects. Uh, still challenges, still setbacks, no doubt about it. But at least we have things going again. And you are uh, the perfect person to ask, uh, what is your thoughts on the healing process right now uh, with Hollywood in regards to COVID at the start of this new year in 2022? Well, <clears throat> yes, you know, I went back, let's see, my first, I did my first job in 2020. So um, in the summer of 2020, and at that time, you know, we didn't have vaccines or, or anything, but we had, but they had put the protocols sag and the unions had set the protocols of testing and wearing the mask. And so that was a little, Looking back, that was a little uh, scary, not scary, but, you know, that was a little uneasy because up to that point, we'd all been in the house, you know. Um, and then we started, I, I did the third season of the family business um, in, in the beginning of 2021, maybe February, March, April. And um, that was, again, very, we actually quarantined um, the casting crew excessive testing. I mean, days before you shot every day on the set, um, everyone lived in the same condominium complex and BET and Viacom and the producers really were great about keeping everyone safe. Um, and then I went back and worked on a film again in the summer of last year. And it was, same thing, really great protocols. So I think what I think the next pivot for the industry is going to have to figure out now with the vaccines and everyone's vaccinated, they are requiring that. You know, Omicron, so many people are testing positive but not getting sick. So I think there's going to have to be a figure out a way of just because you test positive, maybe that you don't have to shut down a whole production because it really should, I think, be more about if you're actually sick um, and, and symptomatic, but I don't know, that's going to take some pivoting. And as you say, the next variant could be right around the corner. So it's, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a tricky time. You know, I think, I think for now they're going to stick to the testing. And if you test positive, they, they unfortunately tend to shut down 
uh, a production which can cost thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, for a production. <clears throat> so that's that's not good, but I think everyone's just doing the best they can. I'll tell you what, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, imagine if a film was being made and you're halfway through, 50% mm-hmm. through, and all of a sudden the leading actor or actress or a handful of people come down with COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Boy, I mean, it really does uh, cause delays and and scheduling issues. And, and so, yes, yeah, still lots of challenges out there. Um, no doubt about it. But it is nice to see some uh, steps forward, isn't it? Yeah, and there is, a, once we got the vaccines available, there there was a real sense of, um, prior to that, you kind of felt a little safer, like every, you kind of felt everyone around you had been tested. You know, you kept the mask on until right before shooting. Of course, then you get into the whole thing of, well, you can actually be positive and test negative, and there's that whole window of opportunity. But then when the vaccines came, we felt even double, you know, triple safer because you thought, well, not only is everyone tested that I'm around, but they've also been, um, you know, vac- vaccinated. So there's just another layer of protection there. Um, yeah. So I, for me, mentally, I feel just like I've done everything I can getting the boosters. And like you, I'm diligent with the hand washing and I wear the mask and I still laugh a little bit with the I think it's still a little funny how people say, well, just wear your mask into the restaurant, and then when you get to your table, take it off, as if COVID's like, oh, okay, well, they're sitting now. I won't bother them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of bad. I just kind of tend to only dine outside. Um, gotcha. I'm not back to the point of feeling really comfortable. My, uh, my birthday is coming up, and we're supposed to go see a, a, an evening with Carol Burnett, who is like my all-time favorite comedy legend. And it's one of these, you know, sit on stage, and she's going to tell stories. And it's inside a large theater. So far, they've not canceled it, which is surprising, but good. So that's uh, Friday night. So that'll be an interesting thing it's be the first time I've sat in a theater, you know, with well, I hope that all everything. works out and, and goes uh, smoothly as intended uh, and happy birthday in advance to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm a February 1st. I'm an Aquarian. Um, this is my 58th birthday. So, you know, I'm happy to, I, you know, this is the, Stephen, I think we talked about this before, but, the the plus thing of being a, a, a male actor, a character actor, is as I get older, I tend to get more work and better roles, and the the, the craggier looking I get. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a double standard with in our business with um, leading leading ladies and actresses compared to guys. So I'm just grateful that. I really don't have to worry about what I look like. I always think, God, <laughs> I think I look, always try to look, I, fans come up to me and I get a lot of times like, wow, you're, you're so much better looking in person. I, that's one of those backdoor compliments or you're not quite as scary in person as I thought you would be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, okay, thank you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to just, you know, keep working. That's a, One thing about our business, this business, you know, you can pretty much keep on trucking, you know, till you drop, you know, on stage or on a set. But I've I've had some great mentors over the years, actors and actresses, and I've watched them just flourish, you know, up up until the very end. So I'm always amazed by that and encouraged. So hopefully that's what will happen with me as well. Now, as far as auditioning goes, Jasper, obviously during the pandemic, uh, things were switched to uh, Zoom and, 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 and video, and it was just a different way of auditioning for the most part. Do you see that continuing on, even if things do continue to improve in the ways that we hope? Um, do you find that, um, that doing something like that over video is appealing to you or do you really prefer the one-on-one you're in the room with the casting folks for an audition? 
Yes. You know, it's very interesting. A lot of people may not realize we had sort of already started moving towards self-tapes even before the pandemic. Um, it is one of the reasons why I had moved full-time to Palm Springs and given up my L.A. Uh, uh, home because I was able to self-tape. Um, and I think I don't think we're going to go back. It looks like I think like with a lot of different businesses, I think one of the I guess one of the blessings of COVID is industries just learned, wow, you know, we can really, there's been an upside to being at home. Um, it, so I don't think it's going to return. It, it's, it, they see now that they can save on renting space for auditions and having actors drive in and, you know, also producers, especially in television, they, they have to take time out of their shooting day to go hold a session at a room on the lot. And so now they can just all watch these tapes on their laptop or on their phone uh, when they're working. And most of the casting people I've talked to, especially producers don't want to return. I prefer, I love the self taping. I, I actually don't mind being in the room. I, the thing that you don't get when you're not in the room is you don't get that, um, adjustment from the casting director or, you know, or the producer that you may do a take and they have, you know, Jasper, can you mm -hmm. do it again? So I try to always send in two or three different takes of a scene just to give them a little, or I'll also have my manager ask them ahead of time to, you know, do you have any notes? Do you have any, you know, specific things you're looking for? <clears throat> so that way kind of gives you a little, chance to show something different but other than missing out on and and then honestly i love so many of these casting directors i've been around so long that i i, I know them and i do miss the camaraderie of seeing my buddies you know the group of guys that i would audition with and seeing the casting people i do miss that um now the great thing about the zoom where you go live on zoom that's great because <clears throat> you really do feel like you're back in the room, basically. I mm -hmm. mean, you're, you're at home, but it's fascinating to watch how they have the virtual waiting room, you know, and then you see all your buddies and we're all saying <laughs> hi. And then, then they click, you know, they invite you in and you click, you click enter and you go quote unquote into the room. So <laughs> virtually into the room. <laughs> I know it's so it's fascinating, but once I've gotten that down, you really go, oh, my God, like, just not driving, trying to find parking, <laughs> sitting out. I mean, there's That's so many positive. things time-wise, right, that you just yes. go, wow, really is saving a lot of time for people. And mm -hmm. um, so apparently, I guess the short, long-winded answer is I think the industry is liking it uh, self-tapes, and so I I don't think it's going to return. And you know, you're right. It, it was kind of picking up right before the pandemic with, with technology expanding the way that it has, you know, uh, self-taping was becoming more and more pre prevalent within the industry. Do you also find that this is another way for actors who live outside of Hollywood or outside of Los Angeles maybe in the Midwest where I am or, or maybe down South even that it's also an opportunity for those actors to perhaps find work uh, on a bigger project or on a different level. Yeah. I mean, it really has opened up it, even just in terms of people living within driving distance of LA, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's true. As long as you can be quote, they call it a local hire, meaning uh, if, as long as you get yourself to LA and you have a place in, you know, it's, it's really up to you to figure that out. They won't, they won't fly you in or put you up or <clears throat> they'll pay you as quote, a local hire. Hmm. Um, and it's the same pretty much with Atlanta or New York. Like I have my Atlanta agent because, you know, I'm from Georgia and I have a residence there. So I can, as long as I, I mean, there's a couple of times, some shows will will fly in a guest star, but there's many times I will just um, make myself a local hire and I'll I'll fly myself there and then I stay at my 
my dad's place. And, you know, it's as if I'm a local hire living in Georgia. So it does, yes, it has opened up, I think, for a lot of actors. It's it's weird, you know, I after 33 years living in L.A., sold the house, came out to Palm Springs. Part, I'd already been part-time here for like 17 years. Had no desire. I was not going to ever think about renting a place in LA because it's so expensive. And then back in the summer, this apartment just fell out of the sky into my lap, literally like a, a situation and right in my old neighborhood. And I was able to snag this rent control apartment in LA for an un, just unheard of. In fact, well done. when they told me the rent, I actually wrote back and said, does it have a roof or <laughs> plumbing or electricity? What are you talking about? Like, there's no way you could be charging that. But wow. it, yeah, it did. And it has. And so it's been nice to sort of, um, cause prior to that, I was, if I didn't, if I didn't drive in, if it were like a multiple day shoot, I was staying in a little hotel that my friends own in um, LA. And so, you know, but now it's great to kind of have this apartment. Um, on, it's And it's weird because, like I said, it's nice not being – I was a landlord for many years at my property, and it's it's great to be the tenant and just – I call it a lock-it-and-leave-it apartment, so I can just go in and lock the door, and if anything happens, I just call the landlord. <laughs> <laughs> well, well say, done there. Hey, That's great. Yeah, so it's that's been great, and it's nice to be back in the old hood. Although L.A. has certainly, whew, it's going through a big transition with the have and the have-nots. It's very sad there. I guess it's happening everywhere, but it's hmm. you know the homeless situation is really bad. And I, you know, I do an ongoing series on my podcast um, called "The Heroes and, and the Horrors of Homelessness," or now we're calling it "The Unhoused." and I have been doing that for the last three years prior to COVID. And now it's just the situation is so out of control in LA and um, it's heartbreaking because it's just, it's overwhelming. And, you know, I don't know what the solution is. And I've had all the experts on my show from the politicians to the activists. And it all comes back to the money that gets allocated never seems to get to the people who need it. Um, and it's become a huge business. Um, one of my main guests, he's the, they call him the mayor of Skid Row, uh, Jeff Page. Um, he, he calls it poverty pimps. And it's the bureaucrats, it's the big business has been created around homelessness. So you have, you know, so they create a, a foundation, but then they have to appoint a CEO who makes six figures. And then, you know, so whatever money the state allocates, it, by the time all the salaries are paid, there's very little that makes it down to the grassroots feet on the ground, people who need it. And um, it, it, it's just overwhelming because ask, during COVID, I had not been to L.A. as much. And each time I would go in, I guess I would notice it more and more, just how out of control it was. And it's really sad, but I have hope, you know, I think LA will rebound and we'll find our way. Um, but it is nice to dip into the city and get back out to the desert. Well, I'll tell you what, it is most definitely a very sad situation, a very serious issue and one of great importance. So my hat off to you for all that you do to get the word out about it with information and um, I certainly support such efforts, and I just think that it is something we we all need to come together and just keep working on this, um, mm-hmm. you know, very heartbreaking situation. Yeah, it's really, you know, I played so many homeless characters in my career, and I did. Re- I would always like research, and then you know the face of homelessness keeps changing. It's it's no longer, you know, addiction and mental illness. It's single mm-hmm. mothers with kids, and it's families that now have been put out of their homes. And with COVID, and and you the, you see it, and you see these families, and and then there's also this whole new thing of uh, on a positive spin. You have these um, Gen X 
kids that are, have moved to L.A., and rather than pay these crazy rents, they've sort of taken it upon themselves. They buy these, either they do the van living or the um, they, they buy these expensive uh, sports tents that are really like little mini houses, and they there's places in L.A. where you can park the tent, and they have their car, and they usually live near a gym and they have a gym membership. And, and these are, these are young guys and girls who have entry level jobs in the city, but they don't make enough to pay the rent. And they, they've chosen rather than have like 15 roommates to an apartment, like, like I did when I was coming up, they're, they're living in tents and vans and, you know, kind of in, I guess calling it the van life. And there's a whole, underground movement in LA of, of these people that have kind of living, that are living on their own in the city. Um, so I guess when you're in your, the things we do in our twenties, right? (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you once again for sharing all that you did. And, um, uh, I, I really appreciate that. And you know, Jasper, I was thinking about um, when I first arrived to Los Angeles years and years ago, early in my own acting career, and that is, uh, we were just talking about um, self-taping and virtual auditions. You definitely remember this, no doubt. Remember the days of stapling your resume on the back of your <laughs> 8x10 black and white headshot and then mailing Absolutely. it to the casting director. Actually, oh, and how about it. the message? How about the messenger services that yes. would drop off stuff? <laughs> That's right? right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Wow. Just think uh, how far we've come with all of that. Mm, my God. It's amazing. I mean, it is amazing. But, you know, I always have to remind myself, okay, Jasper, so for the for the 20-year-old who's just arriving in L.A., this, this is all they know, right? So this is That's their right. – this will be their – this is their normal. Mm-hmm. And – and and twenty years from now, who knows what they'll be? T- you know, who right. knows what they're gonna, when they go? Oh, remember when we used to have to self tape at home rather than just, you know, fly there in our 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 <laughs> flying cars? I mean, it's it's all relevant, I guess. But you're right. Yes, I remember the the composite sheets we would have for commercials where you'd have the the five different character looks. You know the the mm-hmm. the yes. wacky comedian and the. <laughs> Yes. Just and the, the the breakdowns, which are the the daily casting notices that for those listeners who it's it's what the industry casting directors put out for you know they they would have to be delivered by paper you know delivered and then you would like you said the agents would have to hire a messenger service and they would have to mm. submit and put them envelopes and send it over and drop them off outside the door and actors could kind of sneak in and put their headshots and resumes in the basket and hope that they would get called in. Mm-hmm. And, and remember the pagers. Now we have cell oh phones, but remember <laughs> uh, the pagers going off because you were getting oh a possible God. callback. That's right. Pagers. That is so funny. <laughs> yes. And I, there's also a thing called the Thomas guide. I don't know if you had yes. in LA. Yes. This was pre Garmin's or pre GPS for everyone listening, but it was literally a book of maps. And (laughs) I have no ability to read maps. Like my brain just goes. So when I first moved here, I was just that person that just had to find my way, just constantly getting lost. And because I couldn't read a map. And so I would just have to find it and, you know, give myself an extra hour. Oh, wow. I remember. And that book was, I mean, if, if folks are listening out there and don't know that that is a very thick booklet (laughs) (laughs) i mean it is thick yeah and it would give you you know you would turn to g page seven and then go to g7 and i like geometry math and geometry was i just that part of my brain i think got sucked out at birth Mm. i'm not sure what happened i understand um, i understand i just my becky that i moved out here with at the time she was great with maps and she would just crack up. She's like, Jasper, you really cannot figure this out. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Can't yeah. do it. But it taught me, it was, you know, it forced me to really 
learn on my own how to get around the city yes. and not rely on the maps. But those, you know, and that's what I'm saying, Stephen. Isn't it funny? Like, I, I can talk to you about this now, and I can put myself right back in that time, and mm-hmm. I can feel so nostalgic. And yet, at the time, there were times when it was just, I didn't, it seemed horrible at times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't, I wasn't realizing how good I had it at that time. But that's exactly. just that's just part of getting older. You know what? I I totally understand. Exactly. Well, I would like to know, Jasper, how did this artistic journey for you even begin? How did you discover your potential love for acting? Uh, was there a certain age in particular when you noticed this interest developing? Uh, you know, it's in it's in stages. Okay, I always say I was a closeted thespian, meaning I did not pursue any any outward. Like in school, I didn't do theater. I was secretly enthralled with it, and oh. I. But you know, I'm the youngest of four boys, and I don't know. I don't say this is this. There's if there was anything wrong with being in theater, but I was into. I followed my brothers into sports, and you know whatever they did, I did, and it. And, you know, I just wasn't, it wasn't something that anybody around me really was part of. So, but I, as a kid, I remember seeing the Wizard of Oz um, on, on TV and being enthralled with that. Just the whole, just the make-believe world and the glitz and the glamour. And I think I was bitten then with the bug. And then as mm. I grew up, I was just a huge pop culture. I was just obsessed with television and all the I grew up in the 70s so all the TV the Norman Lear comedies and the Carol Burnett and oh, the Gunsmoke yeah. and the, I you know and I would watch uh, early celebrity shows that like when e- Entertainment Tonight started and mm-hmm. I, I don't know I was just always very enthralled with show business and wanting to be a part of it and then um but in high school, I remember, again, I remember they were doing a production, ironically, of The Wizard of Oz. And I snuck into the auditorium. Now, I can't sing or dance, but I was that like squirming. That makes two of us. Yeah, Right? <laughs> and so, but here it was a musical, and I'm like squirming in my seat, <clears throat> wanting to be a part of that, whatever that was. Um, but it really wasn't until um, uh, right when I was graduating from high school a film came to town called Tennessee Stallion, and it was um, Audrey and Judy Landers. If your listeners can Google the Landers sisters and Vincent Van Patten uh, Jr., you know it's one of the Van Patten. It was a low-budget indie film, and they were shooting it in Athens, Georgia. <clears throat> and I got it. I went out to be an extra at a local park scene, and I got upgraded. To a speaking part, which I didn't understand that that was a big deal at the time. I was 17, 18. Um, and so that was really my first time ever being on a set and then getting to go to the rap party. And I think at that time, Audrey Landers may have been on Dallas and her sister was on BJ and the Bear. And I mean, for me, this was just like, it might have been, it could have been Meryl Street, you know, and Olivia Coleman. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, Audrey Landers has been a two-time guest on my show. Um, The first one was uh, really focusing on Dallas. And the second one was on her, the Love Boat appearances that her sister also made appearances on. And what what a delightful lady Audrey is. Oh, yeah. And, you know, their mother, I think her name is Ruth, but her mother yes. was always their manager. And they're, they're an example. They're actually an example of, like, a, two sisters who didn't go awry. You know what I mean? Like, you, you'll mm-hmm. never find any scandal on them. They weren't, they weren't the Lindsay Lohan. You know what I'm saying? They Absolutely. Were Very focused uh, ladies, weren't they? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've since... I didn't know at the time, but now as an adult looking back, I realized that um, they were really, you know, focused and grounded. And I think, I believe Audrey lives in Florida, and I think, I believe uh, you you're know, correct. I think her, yeah, okay, and I think her sister, they either married an athlete or they both did, but 
But for me at that time, they were huge stars in my mind. And it yes. kind of, anyway, that started me on my journey. And I, I. Very exciting. That's a, what a way to begin. <laughs> yeah. And in my hometown, and it's funny because you see, I left Georgia. I went to, I went, I came to LA a couple of times. I went back and forth and finally went back to Atlanta and hunkered down at the Alliance Theater School and took their full program and got very serious about acting. And, um, and at the time, it's funny, in 1986, 87, it was very limited work in Georgia. Now, it's just so ironic that 30 years later, Atlanta is really the second Hollywood. It's Hollywood of the South. So it's, it's still very hard for me to wrap my head around that when I've been able to go back and work there, that it's just weird. You know, it's like for me, I left there to go get work, and now people, people move there to work in the industry. Um, which is great, but it's still kind of strange. And so, yeah, so I moved, I left and moved here in 1987. It's when I moved to Los Angeles. Well, let me ask you, Jasper, um, kind of keeping that thought in mind. If, if a young person was to ask you, Jasper, I want to pursue acting. And let's say they're at a really good age to start this pursuing of, of, of a dream or, or a passion about their craft. And, th and they asked you, Jasper, should I go out to Los Angeles, out to Hollywood, or should I maybe try Atlanta? How would you answer that person? Well, unless you just, like I did, unless you just have this, you just know in your gut you need to be in Hollywood. If that means, it, you know, if you really feel like you have to come here, come. But I would say now, thankfully, because of self-taping and making your own stuff, you can pretty much do this industry wherever you are. But I would always say to young actors, get as much experience where you are, meaning theater, short films, student films, you know, do shoot your own projects, you know, that's the key, I think, to young actors now, that they have the ability to post stuff on YouTube, um, on all the social media sites. You know, they can create their own brand. They can, they can sort of build a PR campaign about themselves before they ever really get to a big city. So I don't, I don't know if this is the parental side of me now, but I would say let the industry have something to sell before you get here mm -hmm. because – Actors are always told, I got to get an agent. I got to get a manager. And I'm always like, well, you don't have anything to manage yet or to sell yet. So get as much experience as you can um, under your belt, wherever you are. And, um, and yes, I mean, if you could try a, a smaller market first, um, that would be, I think, ideal. And, and, you know, LA is a very, it's just like New York. It's a, but, you know, no one could tell me at 23 not to come. So I never want to be that person saying don't come. But I think for me, for instance, I came here with a play that I had co-written and was co-starring in that at least I kind of felt like we had something coming into town now. I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and we had to deal with cost of living. <laughs> but when you're in your 20s, who cares? Um, That's true. But I think, I think the key is just tell all actors now – just act, act wherever you are. Cause there's a big difference between wanting to be an actor and wanting to be famous. And mm -hmm. it's two different things. And you can become famous quickly and easy now on social media, but it doesn't transfer. You, you, you'd be hard pressed to really find a TikTok star, a social media star, someone that's really crossed over into TV acting or film. It, it rarely doesn't happen. So, I, you know, you have to decide, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be famous? Fame, fame can come as the result of acting, but if you go into it wanting to just be famous, then, uh, yeah, I, I, that's not being an actor. Right there with you on that, most definitely. Um, very much so. And training, no doubt, is something mm. that is of a... A major importance, isn't it, for an actor uh, starting his career, but even as the career goes along? 
Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I, I, I tend to sometimes, just, you know what, I just assume that that's out, out there. And thank you. That is a bad assumption because when I, you and I started out, you know, it was all about training. And then for me, theater was sort of, I felt always the natural progression to sort of, you know, go from stage and then learn TV and film. But that's not always the case. And it's certainly not the case now. Um, so training is great. I mean, I think you have to get a foundation under you. Um, and for me, training is kind of like, it's like going to the gym and working out um, when you're not working those muscles. I mean, if you're not lucky enough to be working consistently, um, you know, the best, the best training is on the job training. So I always say to actors, you know, if you, the more you work, the more you learn, mm-hmm. but, in, but like Doris Roberts, who's a dear friend of mine for many, many years, I don't, a lot of people don't know, but Doris throughout her career, she was part of a, the Beverly Hills Playhouse, uh, Milton Gonzalez, every pretty, I mean, every Saturday that she was in town or that she could do it, she went to acting class, to a scene study class. And she did that through all, the whole time she was on Remington Still, the whole time she was on Everyone Loves Raymond. Um, it was her way of staying connected and getting to also work on roles in class that she knows she would never play in her career, you know, in her TV career. Um, and it, it gives you a sense of camaraderie with other actors. And I learned a lot from Doris and I learned from Doris also that there are no small parts. And I watched her navigate in between jobs and she kept herself always out there. She would do play readings and she would do one liners on sitcoms, even though she had been a series regular on Remington steel and she just said to me, you know, Jasper, you have to keep the industry reminding them of that you're still here. Um, and for instance, I mean, when she was up for Everybody Loves Raymond, she was directing a play at the time and she had a callback to go to the network and she didn't want, it was dress rehearsal and she didn't want to leave dress rehearsal. And my friend Bruce and I, who were dear friends, she asked us, she finally decided I'll go to this damn audition. <laughs> and she asked <laughs> us to come sit in on her dress rehearsal. And, um, cause her, I remember her saying, Oh gosh, it's another damn stand up comedian who's not an actor. And I'm not going to go on another one of these jobs where, you know, she just, the whole thing was just, she was over it <clears throat> and she almost didn't go. And I mean, look, look, that changed her entire, you know, second half of her career by getting everybody loves Raymond. And so that's just an example of say yes to all opportunities and show up. And we just, cause we never know what that one audition is going to lead to, or that one meeting. That's why I tell actors nail every self tape you can, because you, you really not, the odds are against you're going to book the job. You're really there to impress the casting people and the producers for, for potential other jobs coming. Booking it is like a surprise and a wonderful, you know, winning the lottery for the moment. But I don't ever expect to book. That's always a nice cherry on the, on the cake. But I, I just expect to try to do my best and, and probably not book it. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, your career in many ways is a prime example of all that you shared because you've um, had parts that were larger than others and you have um, had uh, many different uh, a variety of uh, shows and films, so to speak. And if you look at your career, it's not just the years. It's the, it, it, the mileage is very impressive, but it, it's the fact that you've kept going. And I, when I looked at your credits and learned more about you before speaking today, that, that's what inspired me. I was just inspired by researching you. Is that I like that keep on going mentality and approach that you seem to exemplify throughout your career. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I really and truly, I just consider myself that journeyman actor. I, 
I don't, there is no part too small for me. I mean, I, I just am, I'm sort of that actor who's working toward my pension and healthcare just to keep it. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that just bare bones, like we have to earn X amount of money every year to qualify for health insurance. And so, and you qualify by, you know, you increase your earnings by the more you work and the more residuals you make. And that's like commercials have always been a great way for most of us actors to, to make our main income. And unfortunately the commercial industry has been cut tremendously because so many commercials have gone non-union and are not union anymore. And that sets up a whole other dilemma. Do you, do you cross over and do non-union because you need the money? But then again, that doesn't go towards your pension or health, health insurance. So, um, everything, you know, it's, it's always a, you know, that, like I said, the middle-class actor is, seems to be getting pinched more and more, I guess, like the rest of the the country in, in terms of economics. But yeah, I've just always known that, um, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. My career has been. And that I said the other day, you know, the moment that I don't enjoy doing it, I will quit because I don't ever want to be that bitter, jaded person on a set. Um, I just, between, between action and cut is a magical time for me. I can't explain it. You know, as an actor, it's the same when you step out on stage. If you're not, it's hard to explain. I, I'm not very good about even talking about method or training or what we do, but I just still get very excited when I'm in the scene working. The other stuff that goes around it, not so much, you know. I'm I'm not as excited anymore about a lot of the other stuff around the industry, but I, I definitely love showing up and doing the work. And you do it extremely well. Um, I, I like that description, journeyman actor. It's nice to have goals, definitely, but it's also uh, beneficial to go with the flow, isn't it? To, to just kind of see what's around the corner and be open to new opportunities and possibilities and adventures. Right. I mean, I, I'm very aware of like where I have no illusions about my career. Like I don't, I don't see myself, you know, becoming the, I mean, I, ideally the perfect job for me would be like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, to be part of an ensemble where I'm just a part, you know, I don't have to, I'm never going to star in a series, like being able to be on like the family business is the perfect example where I'm, I'm one of great many other, I, I, I don't mean I'm great, but great I'm part of other great actors I get to work with and just playing these reoccurring parts. And, you know, it's, it's surprising, like on the family business, I can't believe I lived, I made it through without being killed in season three. Cause generally the characters I play rarely ever survive anything. So I, gotcha. I was just laughing about, I can now say that we've been picked up for season four and we're going back into production. Um, well, actually, we're they are in production right now. I start back next month. Um, so just, I was so excited just to get the, when I got the email that the show got picked up and that my character was actually back, I, I was just excited because I'm so grateful for work. And so the feeling that I had in that moment, I try to remember that. And I go, okay. You're still doing the right thing, Jasper. You, <laughs> I didn't read the email and go, oh, God, you know, dread or something. Well, congratulations, um, Jasper. That's that's fantastic news. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so – I love working with Ernie Hudson. and th Now, that's an example. I'm, that's a show I did not have to audition for. I, I got offered it because – I know the producers and the director. That's very rare for me. I, I rarely get straight mm -hmm. offers, but occasionally it does happen. Um, and that's just one of those where I didn't have to audition. But, um, but you know, th that that's another thing. A lot of, for a lot of people my age and older who were around for a while, you know, the industry changes. And if you don't want to change with it, if you don't want to humble yourself and audition, it, it's you're not going to work. I mean, 
TV has changed. You know, there was a time when casting directors could literally just offer actors roles and you can't do, they, they have no power anymore. It is, it, you have to, I have to go to the network for one and two lines. Like I have to be approved for a one line part now. Um, so it's casting people, unfortunately, are, are kind of just like herding lists together and putting tapes together and sending it over. I'm sure they give their opinion, but I, I don't know even how much it's, it's listened to now. Um, so the key is to keep working with the same producers on shows because um, they're the ones that make the decision to, to call you in or not, you know. Well, backtracking a little bit here, Jasper, when I was thinking about Audrey Landers, uh, she has the most unique and appealing voice, doesn't she? <laughs> yes. She's a very good singer. Too. Yes. Yes. Very beautiful voice. And I tell you, having her as a guest was a big time honor and treat. And just hearing that voice, it sounded just like it did decades ago on Dallas as Afton Cooper. It was a very surreal experience for me because I'm a huge Dallas fan, Jasper. Well, yeah. And, you know, I think we talked about Charlene Tilton as a dear friend. And so we... Oh, very nice. Yeah. And so I love hearing... I mean, she's got so many great... Charlene would be great for your show, by the way. I would love um, to have her on. Oh, let's make that happen. Okay. I'll... Well, I'll that I'll would be... Amazing and and yeah, and she thank would you. love you. Oh, um, I, I would. But uh, yeah, how could how could anyone forget uh, her role on Dallas as Lucy Ewing and uh, definitely a memorable performance, no doubt about it. Yeah, and you know she was sad. she was so young when she did that. She's always yes. we always laugh. She's like she's like people think I'm so damn old because I was so <laughs> young when I did that show. <laughs> and, and Jasper, you should you no doubt are aware of this with your connection to her. Um, uh, some folks may not be aware, but when Dallas w really was getting uh, popular, and, and and you know it took a little while to get going, but once it did, she was getting an enormous amount of fan mail at, at oh, CBS, yeah. incredible amounts. Oh, huge! Yeah, so no, she really. She really, well, of course, being, you know, 18 and gorgeous didn't mm -hmm. hurt, but she really was like the breakout star in terms of, especially with pop culture, you know what I mean? And yeah, the young generation. Yeah. Um, and she really has really just um, made so much. I mean, she's really, she, she really loves and honors that show and the fans and, um, you know, so many of these, so many of these TV stars in the past want to like run away from their notoriety, or they don't want to have anything to do. It's just very strange to me. But she embraces mm. it as I would. I mean, yes, she knows that that show is what put her on the map. So she's very grateful. And you know what? When you think about her character, wasn't that a a really challenging role? Because think about it you're dealing with a character who was not raised by her biological parents. So the character already has that inner hurt, so to speak, deep down. She was kind of a rebel and a sassy girl and just kind of discovering her way. I mean, uh, and then yes. you have an uncle who happens to be named J.R. Ewing, the, the most powerful independent oil man in Texas. It doesn't get much more uh, exciting than that. No, of course not. And, you know, Charlene grew up in Hollywood with a single mother, and and now you know. Also, I know her daughter Cherish Lee very well, and it's just a she's a fascinating career, and she's lived yes. in Nashville. She's moved to Nashville, oh, and okay. so um, they yeah. Cherish Lee is quite the country music star. You know, Johnny Lee, the singer, is her father, so um, she's immersed in the whole country music world. And Charlene is Glamama to two to two young grand grandsons and she's there and loving Nashville. And well, I'm glad to hear a, that. Yeah. And there's a huge D Dallas fan base in Nashville. So oh, wow. it's, yeah, not surprised to hear that. And, and by all means, please give her my personal best and, and let her know. I'd love to have her come visit me on Hollywood and beyond. Perfect.
Well, Jasper, if you don't mind me backtracking just a, a little bit more, when you mentioned the Wizard of Oz having an impact on you, remember when it was on once a year on network television and it was like a big event? Yes. It, it was yes. almost like you'd never seen it before because you got really excited. <laughs> no, it was. And it's funny. It's just such a... I mean, think about that. Yeah, I mean, I realize now just how kid. I mean, that must be how kids today, when they see the Marvel movies, you know, or any of these, mm-hmm. are enchanted or something like that. Um, but I don't know if people really dissect that movie. Of course, Wicked was sort of a a different version of that. But if you really look at it as an adult, there's so much, there's so many metaphors in there. You know, mm-hmm. of her not not living in the moment, not realizing what you have, not mm-hmm. being appreciative, not being grateful, thinking there's always something better on the other side. Um, there, that's, I, I think I, I'm trying to think a few years ago, I rewatched that as an adult and I was like, wow, you know, it really does have some yes. powerful messages here. It, it so, does. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently got a copy, um, uh, on um, on uh, Blu-ray, and it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, you know, on the right television, and it was just amazing. You know, just how beautiful it looked. Um, I could imagine what it would look like on a 4K disc. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and you know what? The thing about the red shoes, Jasper, uh, all that you said was beautiful. I totally agree with that. But you know, for me. The, the whole part up near the end where the, the good witch tells her that, you know, you, you always could have gone back. Mm-hmm. And I've always taken that as if a person has lost their way on whatever journey they're going through in life and they feel they can never get back to that place they want to be, that maybe you really can. That mm-hmm. you, you just need to realize in yourself that you can, in fact, do it. You've always had the power in you. Yeah, it's that whole thing about, you know, believing yourself and, and knowing that you, you're exactly right, that w- why are you waiting for somebody else to tell you how you can yes. do it and succeed and live? If you don't believe you're in yourself, no one else is going to. So stop waiting for, stop waiting to get validation from outside yourself. It all starts from within. And who can forget that, uh, uh, touching moment of, uh, wasn't it the scarecrow that she said, uh, I think that I'm going to miss you most of all. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, my God, just thinking that, of it makes me teary eyed. Uh, those brilliant actors, you know, in that, in that production, are they, I mean, just amazing. Yep. They all went on and, and then, you know, of course, as a kid, you don't realize the tragic, the tragedy of Judy Garland and right. just, you know, watching that, knowing that she was probably on uppers and downers and, all the things that they were doing to overwork her and you know what I mean? And Absolutely. what her person, her off camera life was like. So I mean, that's sad, uh, but it, it is she was sad. a brilliant performer. Even a legend can, can often have a sad and, uh, you know, story to their life or their journey. Unfortunately, um, hopefully yes. we today can learn from such experiences and, um, and, and, and within the industry, of course, all the changes over the decades to improve uh, the treatment of actors or unions right. and, and, and all of that has been very important along the years as well. Well, Jasper, Indeed. thank you for sharing all that you did. I have a, a question for you that I'm very curious about. Um, you seem very open-minded about where your, your career has taken you, but obviously you're kind of noted for the more villainous roles or things along those lines. So was that something you consciously seeked or anticipated during the early days of your career? Or was that something that just kind of developed as you went along? Oh yeah, no, I had, I came to LA thinking I was going to be a sitcom star and a comedian and comedy and oh, the play wow. I co-wrote. Oh yeah, no. So you the have play a love I wrote, for comedy, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. I, I, comedy was <laughs> it. That's what I thought I'd be doing. I thought that was, I was going to be a sitcom star. Um, and then it's like, tell God your plans. Right. And then I really, for the first 15 years of my career, I, I was sort of in between, I fell between the cracks of, I wasn't a leading guy, 
looking enough and I wasn't charactery enough. So I was fortunate to, to work and I would play like the best friend and the sidekick and the, <laughs> you know, and just sort of the kind of boring parts. I mean, nothing, you know, but then I, and I would always be told, you know, Jasper, when you get older, you're really going to work. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm 25. What, what am I going to do for the next? So that's when I really immersed myself in theater in LA. Mm. Um, and I would get, you know, if you look at my IMDb, I was lucky to always get two or three roles a year, but theater was really where I was, you know, doing my work in LA, mostly on stage. And then, I mean, of course, you know, commercials and I hung in there, but when I turned 40, I don't know what happened, but my face changed, my look mm. just changed, and I got a role on a show called Prom Queen, which was Michael Eisner's web series, and it was one in 2007, it was like one of the first, like, what is a web series, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember played, thinking the same thing years ago. Yeah, I was like, wait, does it shoot the same way? Like, I just couldn't understand. But I played my first bad role. I played Josh's evil stepfather, and it kind of got a lot of attention, and it won a daytime Emmy for the show, and it just kind of – and then I I thought, wow, okay. And so I really just sort of leaned into it, and I grew my hair out, and I grew the beard – and I basically reinvented myself at 40 years old. And I had to sort of show the casting people the new Jasper. Um, the and new it Jasper. got me, yeah, and it got me into this great, on this list, you know, it took me 20 years to get on a list. And typecasting is a wonderful thing in TV. Um, you want to get typecast it, to keep working. And so I've been blessed to get on this list of, Drug dealers, homeless guys, bad guys, you know, uh, it, it's just been a blessing in my life. And so in my career and I, uh, I, I just recently, I mean, I'm, I'm back to doing some comedy. I've got a new series coming out called Kombucha Cure where I play a really, again, he's, he's a character, but he's, he's funny. He's not a creep. He's not killing anybody. So, you know, I, even in comedies, I still play the creepy bad guy. Um, I see. <laughs> but I, but he's quirky. I can play quirky. So there you go. Yeah. So it's really about the look, Stephen. You know, TV. You start with a look, and a director told me when I first started doing the bad guys. You know, Jasper, you already look the part. You really don't have to add anything to it. So you know, just trust the material you already have the look and just go on your instincts. Cause there's always this ten- mm. tendency to want to play quote, play a bad guy. Um, and you don't really have to do that. So, but I think, I think what I've been told, I bring a certain vulnerability to my roles. It's just, you know, as actors, we all have this thing. We can't help. We can't, we can't stop it. Like, you bring something onto camera that you're not even aware of. You do, Stephen. Mm. I do. Mine is, it may be my voice. And my voice doesn't match necessarily the bad guy, but it works in my favor because it gives me a certain vulnerability. So sometimes you pull for my bad guys because maybe you like him a little bit or um, the voice is not so scary. So it's like, wait a minute, is he really a bad guy? Or, mm-hmm. you know what's his deal? So I've learned how to work that in my favor. And so I think that's what you have to kind of do is just realize that don't change anything about yourself. Don't let people start telling the moment they start telling you change your voice, change your, your weight, you know, just whatever it is about you that makes you unique is probably going to be what's going to set you apart down the line. So to all the young actors and actresses, just know that you are good enough as you are. And that's all you have to do. Don't change something that's going to be the thing that makes you stand out later in your career. Well, thank you so much, Jasper, for continuing to share this wonderful perspective and, and all of that. Thank you so much. 
Is there something between theater and film or television, uh, you know, between the two? Is there a preference for you between the two? I mean, do you actually, because it sounds like you really enjoyed your theater experience, or is it like, you know, you enjoy all of it equally the same? And, and also, what do you find the most different between the two for you as an actor? Well, I do. I love them all. My 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 heart is in the theater because that's where I started. And as an actor, there's nothing quite like sustaining a performance for two hours. You know, from beginning to mm-hmm. end. TV and film is also wonderful, but it's done in increments, and, and you shoot out a sequence, and you you know you're never really you don't have the sense of fluidity of a of a of a continuance when you're shooting it. I love a sitcom, a four camera, because that's the best of both. That's theater combined with television because you have a, well, used to, not now, but used to have a live audience. I don't, mm-hmm. with COVID, I don't think anyone does. Um, but it's, I do crave like being on a sound stage, which is kind of like a theater stage. Um, but again, I say that, and then the, the, the last 20 years, my whole career is on location, one-hour shows, films, 12, 14, 16-hour days on location, not complaining, but it's not the same as pulling onto the lot at the studio and parking your car and going in and having the same dressing room every day. You know, it's it's a lot different. I mean, in the perfect world, I would land on one of the sofa. I would land on one of the daytime shows now playing a reoccurring either the home, the neighborhood homeless guy that everyone likes or the resident bad guy, you know, that's just, I come in every couple of weeks and do my thing and, and leave. That would be, I'm putting that out there since I live literally like two blocks from CBS television city in Los Angeles. So oh, okay. it would be great to just, it would be great to walk over to the young and the restless or bold and beautiful and just, Yes, you're not far and, from you know, Genoa City, are you? <laughs> no, right. I'm, not, I'm at that point in my career, you know, I'm, Jasper just wants to, you know, sh- show up, have some fun, throw out some lines, you know, be reoccurring and go back home and do all my producing and the other mm-hmm. stuff I'm doing. So, Well, hey, I would be I, all for seeing you on one of those productions. Well, thank you. Well, Jasper, I have to say uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I can already envision a part two with you because we could dive into some of your projects um, more deeply, you know, certain shows and films that you've uh, appeared on or worked in. And I would love to extend that offer to you in advance. Oh, thank you so much, Stephen. Yes, I get, you can tell I love to talk as well. I just wanted to say people can go to jaspercole.com and it's got all my information. It's got the podcast keep up with all the stuff happening. Um, Family Business Season 3 is streaming now. Season 4 is filming. Um, I'm about to also start a series called Smothered, Season 2 on Amazon Prime. And, um, yeah, lots of good stuff happening. And I just, I'm a big fan of your show, so keep up the great, the great work. I'm on um, social media as Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S. So everyone hit me up there, and I cannot wait to, to come back and talk some more. Thank you, Jasper. Hollywood and Beyond Podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in.